Thank you, Tony. Second Peter 2. Just to back up and get a running start, we're about verse, oh, we left off about verse 10. In the middle of verse 10, you see verse 10 is split into a new paragraph there, halfway through it. Uh, But just to back up and remember where we've been for the last couple of weeks, uh, as Peter mentions the fall of the, the judgment of the angels uh, before creation, that's verse 4. Then verse 5 and 6, he talked about the judgment on the ungodly world, the whole world through the flood in Noah's day as Noah was a man of righteousness, preaching righteousness for so many years and then eight were saved. The Lord is able to judge the ungodliness there. And then the judgment of the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah Uh, And he's saying, if God is able to judge the angels, if he's able to judge the whole world, if he's able to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, and if he was able in the midst of the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah to to deliver Lot, righteous Lot, and this is the only place that we know Lot is righteous, is from 2 Peter. Otherwise, if we just read the... uh, Genesis description, we would not have that sense that righteous, that Lot was in turmoil as he lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, as he lived there and uh, uh, functioned amongst the people. He was in his conscience and his soul was in torment. And that's a good for us to think about as we live in our culture. Uh, And if God is able to do all of those four things, verse uh, 9 then says, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. The Lord's still in control uh, of all that's going on, especially of the false teachers uh, that uh, Peter is writing and warning Uh, the readers or the hearers of the letter uh, about uh, the false teachers who are pursuing the lust of defiling passion and despising authority. Verse 10 in the middle, bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels... Though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, these false teachers, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. Notice that verse right there. They're born, they're like animals, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. Three times that same basic word destroyed is there as the consequence of these heretics, these heretical teachers. 
uh, suffering wrong, verse 13, as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. Speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Uh, So they are those of which uh, above he said that the Lord is able to keep or reserve the unrighteous for punishment until the day of judgment. So God has control of it all. Uh, These who are these false teachers, They are, in verse 10, indulging in the lust of defiling passions and despising authority. That's the two things that he mentions here. He says they're daring, they're bold and willful. I think the New American may say they're daring uh, in their sin, uh, self-pleasing, afraid, not afraid, if you will, to slander the glorious ones. They're uh, the glorious ones at the end of verse 10. Who are the glorious ones? It's an interesting word. It's, it's a, a plural word. That's, it pluralizes the word glory. So what he says is they blaspheme or really slander the glories. The glorious ones in the ESV, New American says angelic majesties. Uh, King James says dignities, or, or and New King James says dignitaries. Uh, so there's question as to who they are. Some would say maybe they're the saints, glorious ones, because the next verse, verse eleven, they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels. And so there's this contrast between glorious ones and angels. Uh, But most would say these are angels, celestial beings, the ones in verse 10, the the ones in verse 10 are evil versus the good angels. Evil angels in verse 11 versus the Glorious ones, the good angels in verse 10. I'm sorry, I twisted that around. And, the, and part of it, let's turn to Jude for a second. We'll just look at the parallel passage in Jude. Much of Jude uses the same language. Jude gives a little bit of an understanding of good angels versus bad angels, maybe. We're not going to belabor it, but we'll look at this just to see. Verse 8 of Jude, and the context is the same, false teachers. And he says, yet in like manner, these people, the false teachers, also relying on their dreams, defile the flesh and reject authority. The two sins that are mentioned in Second Peter. 
and they blasphemed the glorious ones, the very same phrase that we saw in Peter. But when the archangel Michael, so here's a good angel, contending with the devil and disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment. So Michael did not uh, slander the devil, he says, but said, the Lord rebuke you. There's that sense in which I got nothing to say to you. I let the Lord deal with you. Uh, But we don't know about this story of Michael debating with the devil over the body of Moses. That's that's probably, I don't know. No, I'm not going to say probably. I'll let you deal with that. Uh, Verse 10, but these people, these They blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. So that, if if you were to compare those two passages together, you have that sense of Michael, a good angel, um, not dealing with the devil, the bad angel, not blaspheming, slandering the devil directly. He said the Lord will deal with him here what Jude says and Peter says is these folks, these false teachers, don't mind slandering the glorious ones, whoever they happen to be. So they're just daring, they're self-willed, they're self-serving, they please themselves, they set themselves up as authorities, and they have no restraint. Bruce. The majestic ones. So it could be saints versus angels. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, maybe. I couldn't find a commentary that said that, that put that up. But, but uh, I, that, that was my view or what I was thinking without, until I opened up some books. And so some would hold that. It doesn't matter. The point is these false teachers are brazen. They're daredevils and they're ignorant in what it is in the danger that they're putting themselves into by uh, rejecting the truth. Okay? And so just thinking about that, the culture we live in, you know, more and more hardened in its sin. Uh, I don't know how you feel. I hope you feel like righteous Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, You know, the lost, the... Are, uh, have no fear of God. We're seeing that play itself out over these last, you know, we could go back five years, 10 years, 50 years, the progress of, of uh, sin as sin is pervaded. pervaded. Uh, they have no fear of God. We fear God, and we, I don't know, I hope you do, uh, we are... Uh, Nothing's more fearful than the wrath of God, is it? I mean, it's, it's for us who are believers, we know we've been saved from the wrath of God, right? But we know the wrath of God is devastating. The world would rather not talk about it. Many Christians would not want to talk about the wrath of God, but the Bible warns us all about the wrath of God. Um, 
I just picked a few verses out. Uh, Whoever does not obey the Son, the wrath of God abides on him already or her already. So all unbelievers, the wrath of God in some form or fashion is already abiding on folks, on people. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Uh, Since therefore, Romans 5, 9, we have now been justified by his blood, much more we will be saved by him from the wrath of God. And then we'll, we'll look at John the Baptist this week, Sunday morning. Uh, But remember John the Baptist, as they came out, the Pharisees came out uh, to see him. And he says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath of God? Uh, So the wrath of God is important, you know, uh, to be like Lot in the midst of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, who he was torn, he was brokenhearted over what was happening. If we live that way, if we begin to stand up, um, is our culture any different or very different from Sodom and Gomorrah? And are we as torn up about what's going on as Lot? And are we understanding that government's not the answer. You know, education's not the answer. But Christ is the only answer. He's the only hope. I don't believe God will save nations. He saves people within nations. And people within nations, living faithfully, God can use to bring revival. It's got to begin with us. If anything's going to happen uh, eternally or permanently, or that will have a lasting effect. So, uh, we could. Paul talks about the increase of sin uh, in the last days, right? Uh, says people will keep doing evil things. And they'll encourage others to be involved in their evil. And so, you know, as as there's that fight for self-determination, self-fulfillment, freedom, uh, in whatever it is I want to do, you know, we, we can take the issue of sexual behavior, whether it's heterosexual immorality or homosexual immorality, uh, the things that once were shameful, Now people march for the right to participate in. If you're my generation, you know, and and you've seen it, if you're just however young you are, you've seen it, uh, where uh, things are just expanding. And so Paul then, one of the commentators, Paul, Peter then goes on a violently and colorfully expressed tirade about how things go from bad to worse, about how dangerous these folks are to you and to you and to you and to the church. Uh, And some would think, well, Peter, you're a little harsh, but uh, 
think about these kinds of false teachings that are invading the schools. And if it's the schools where your children might happen to be, how harsh are you going to get? And that's where Peter is. These are his children. The flock, if you will, over whom God has placed him at least to write this letter to. And so he is warning them. He's writing as a shepherd of the souls and this little group of sheep. So anyway, Paul explains it, as I said, 2 Timothy 3. We could turn there and we could see how Paul says it's getting, it's going to get bad and bad is going to go to worse. But these false teachers, they're impressive, but they're self-destructive. Verse 10 Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Verse 12, but these, like irrational animals, unreasoning, have got no reasoning abilities, no sense about them. They're creatures of instinct. Uh, verse 13, look, Peter says they're blots and blemishes. Uh, verse 14, they're accursed children. And he says that their slander is because of their ignorance. Verse 12, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught, destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant. I don't know if you've ever talked to someone who is proudly an agnostic. Kind of say, you know, if God would just show me a little, I need a little more, show me something. Well, he's shown all kinds of things. But they're proud that they're ignorant. Agnostic is, you turn that from a Greek word into an English word and it's ignorant. They're just, these folks don't know what they're doing. They're, uh, Peter is pretty clear. Their minds are wasting away. They're, they're irrational. Their spirits are wasting away. Their insides are uh, in their ignorance. They have no idea of the danger they're putting themselves into. And they're born to be caught and destroyed. That's that verse, that, uh, triple de- destruction. They're born to be destroyed And they will also be destroyed by their destruction. Self-destruction. Gambling their lives uh, on the things that they don't understand. And they'll be paid, he says. There in verse 13, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. So if you stand for righteousness, if I stand for righteousness, uh, we have a different, radically different worldview, right? We're coming up against a, a totally different worldview. More and more Christians are bigoted. They're the, they're the uh, uh, ones who are forcing morality upon the rest of, of the people. Do we have the courage to be biblical Christians? 
wherever we go. Again, I've said it before, I back in this office here and I'm at home and studying a lot and I don't face a lot of the opposition most of you do on a daily basis. Uh, are you willing to stand? Are we going to stand up? Peter says, this is life or death, you know. <clears throat> and so he keeps heaping these blots and blemishes. Uh, look, at, look at the end of the book, chapter 3. Uh, there are blots and blemishes, he says. Verse three, chapter 3, verse 11. No, let's see, yeah. Since these things are thus to be dissolved, and he's talking about the destruction of the world at the end, the dissolving of the world. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? There's the opposite of what these folks are living. Waiting for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But, according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. These folks are blemishes. We're to encouraged to be found without spot and without blemish. These folks are never satisfied in their sin. Uh, verse 13 and 14, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. Their blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you, eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin, never satisfied with the depths of their sin. Again, ignorantly placing themselves in the place in, in, into the uh, hand of the wrath of God, uh, pursuing and enticing unsteady souls to participate in what it is they're doing. And they're accursed children. The end of verse 14. Accursed children. Verse 15. Forsaking the right way. See, they've known the right way, and they're forsaking the right way. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray, right? But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all who have turned, we turned away, but we've, the Lord has turned us back to himself. And the iniquity of our, the sin that we participated in has been covered by the blood of Christ. These are on the wrong path. They have turned away. They have forsaken the right way, the right way gone astray, followed the way of Balaam. There's a way which seems right to man, and they've taken it. And the end of that is death or destruction. And for you and me, if we don't 
diligently apply ourselves to the truth of God, we're liable to wonder. We're liable. Hebrews 2.1, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. That was, uh, made me think. We were taking a trip, and uh, I have no idea where we were going, but we were in West Virginia. And we were up on this highway that was going across this huge valley. I mean, it was beautiful. It was a, a late afternoon. It was really, and I will tell you, I did not wake up that day and say to myself, now, I'm going to miss my exit. I didn't say that, but I was enjoying the view so much. I missed my exit. Um, and up on this high, highway with the valley way down below, <laughs> I drove about 20 miles out of my way before I knew it. And then it was 10 more miles until the next exit. Um, That was not the plan, but that's what happened when I was not diligent. Back in the days when we didn't have GPS and we were having to read a map, I I knew where I was going, but I didn't know where I was going. Drifted away. Oh, you know what else? Where else I think? You get, can you list some reasons that you don't like Dallas? Now, if you're from Dallas, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a few sports teams that are the reason. But the real reason I don't like Dallas is I always miss the 45 turn that takes me on to 35. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. As you go up in Dallas and you go around this way, I always miss it. I don't plan on missing it. In fact, I plan on not missing it, and I miss it. We drift away. If we're not careful, we're going to get off track, and that's for us too. These folks knew the way, and then they forsook the way. We'll drift away too if we're not careful. Um, so, anyway, Second Peter is all about them, right? And it's, but the more we read about it, it's more about us and the care we need to take about living our lives as believers. You know, the promises are promises, but the warnings are here. Uh, the false teachers knew the right way. They've gone a different way in the way of Balaam. What do, you know, what do we know about Balaam? Balaam's a very interesting story. I had to go read it. It's three-plus chapters in numbers. I had to read a while. Uh, is, it's a, anybody, can anybody tell us a story other than the donkey talking? I couldn't, specifically. Well, uh, the numbers, you know, it's numbers. So the Jews are coming up from the Exodus, and they're coming through Moab, and they have, they have uh, defeated every, every army they met. And so the king of Moab hires Balaam to pronounce a curse upon them. So Balak sends to Balaam uh, an entourage with a bunch of money. 
It says, will you, will you curse Israel for us so that they don't defeat us? And he said, let me check with God. Now, I don't know what a pagan uh, prophet is doing going to the God of the universe, but he goes to God and God says no. So he sends them away. No, go on. God says no. Well, Balak is not yet to be, he's not that easily given up. So he bring, sends more money and more prominence and more um, honor f- for Balaam. Balaam says, I said no, but I'll go check with God again. Um, and so he goes, and the interesting thing is God says, okay, you can go, but do just what I say. I say that's interesting because God then deals with Balaam. And again, if we didn't have First Peter, it would look like God got mad at Balaam because he did what God said to do. God gave him permission to go, but says, do just what I say. And that's when the donkey sees the angel of God, and the donkey uh, gets, goes away from the path, and, and Balaam whoops him, and then God deals with Balaam right there. But Peter tells us it's because Balaam was greedy. He went to God a second time when God said no the first time. Take God's answer. Take God's word the first time and live in it. Balaam didn't. And so these folks have now, they knew the right way, and they have gone the wrong way, and they've gone the way of Balaam. Uh, and somebody, you may have a better understanding of the story of Balaam. That's kind of a very nutshell, uh, 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 short answer to the lot, to the episode of Balaam. He ends up dying, by the way. The, they kill him. The Israelites do. But um, he is greedy. They went the way of Balaam, uh, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing. He wouldn't take God at his word. But he was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Any comments, any questions about that? Any, any helpful inclusions? Uh So Peter says these false teachers, they follow the way of Balaam, they love the wages of sin, and concludes with verse 17. They're waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. Uh, I was reading about Rommel. Eric Rommel, 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 the German... Erwin, okay, he, he, he uh, defeated the Allied forces at Tobruk in North Africa, in Libya, I believe, is where it was. And he had the West secured, he had the North secured, he had the East secured. So the Allies retreated south. And Humphrey Bogart, oh, I didn't say it was a movie, did I? <laughs> 
Humphrey Bogart's the tank commander, and they go south. And they headed into the desert. Uh, in fact, this movie's called Sahara. Not the Sahara that some of that's more modern. This is 1940s when the movie was made. It goes south. They have 70 miles to go, and if the gas will hold out, they can get to the oasis that they know is there for water. They get to the oasis, and there's nothing but sand in the water, in the, in the well at the oasis. That's what these folks are. That's their waterless springs. Um, a well full of sand. Their teaching gives life to no one. In fact, it'll bring destruction. They're misdriven by the storm. You know, uh, uh, clouds, you see clouds. We, last week, at least two different days, there were clouds in the sky and we got no rain. Lion clouds. Uh, the reason I know is they were painting our house on the outside, and I wondered why they were there. Look at all these clouds. You can't be painting our house because, no, no rain. Our, our house is done. Didn't get wet. Uh, so that's what these folks are. They're liars. <laughs> They're clouds that do not produce any rain. They're waterless springs and for them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved and so that goes back up above to where God is able to keep them for judgment on the final day uh, you know that uh, the message is a false teacher they br- they're exciting they're daring they're they bring uh, bold claims, but their lives are fruitless. Um, and the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved for them. You know, uh, we have Jesus' promise, the promise from the Lord, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. My father's house are many mansions or rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place. We have a place reserved in heaven if we're trusting in Christ. I don't know what he's doing. He says, I'm going to go build something. I don't know what he's doing. He's at the right hand of the Father speaking on my behalf. I do need a very good defense attorney on the Father's right hand, and I have the best. The Lord Jesus is there. Um, but then every unbeliever has a reservation for hell. And that's what Peter's talking about here. This is an issue of life and death, discerning the truth from error. And, and there's not much blatant error out there, usually deceptive error. Just it's sometimes a tweak off. Uh, in a day when doctrine is taught so often, or is taught so often that doctrine is unnecessary, we just need Jesus and our Bible. And um, 
not realizing or failing to deal with the idea that there's so many heretical views about Jesus. Um, we need to know the truth about God, the Trinitarian God whom we serve. We need to know our own spiritual condition. There's a reluctance sometimes to speak about sin, uh, to understand sin as and our condition as God describes it in his word. And these heretics have great minds, but they're spiritually dead. Or they think they have great minds. They just didn't know it. And so Paul, uh, Peter says to avoid them. Take care that you're not carried away and lose your stability in Christ. We could go on we got 10 minutes. Let's just read the rest of the chapter, and I think we'll stop right there. For speaking loud boasts of folly, okay, foolishness. Now, it's getting less and less difficult to see foolishness uh, from some of the preachers and teachers, whether you go to TV or you go to the Internet or wherever it is. Uh, but... We have to be able to discern foolishness. They entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilement of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. Almost sounds like Hebrews 6, doesn't it? For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the truth proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. One more week with the false prophets and the warnings about true salvation and the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And then we'll turn verse chapter 3. We'll turn to the prospect of the day of the Lord that will come and what it is that Peter teaches us. Any, anything you want to talk about or say or ask? Been quiet? I don't know. Maybe it's just I haven't given you an opportunity to say anything or ask anything or tell us anything. Born, say that again. What is that their destiny? Yeah, was that their, uh, that's where they were headed from. The no, no, no. I, I think if you, I think, well, verse 12, but these, these false prophets, like 
uh, irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, meaning the animals are born to be caught and destroyed. I mean, uh, uh, the, but these, blaspheming about matters they're ignorant, will also be destroyed like the animals that are born to be for destruction. I don't know why they're born to, for destruction unless we're going to, unless they're ox and we're going to eat their tails or their meat. <laughs> huh? Ox tails are really good if you know how to cook it. Yes, Dennis. So what do you think the blasphemy is? Do you think it's just irreverence towards God? Yes, I think it's turning away from God. It's slander. Uh, uh, it can be slander. It's blasphemy. When we think of blasphemy, it's always against God. Um, and the SV, and I'm not sure if all the versions keep blasphemy there, but it's also slander and speaking against. And so they're they're blaspheming and they're slandering God by turning away and teaching lies and errors. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's multiple un- definitions, if you will. Blasphemy, for sure, against God. And then this is more, they're just slandering, I don't know, blaspheming God by turning away, yes. Lily, you want to? Well, what I'm going to say, the whereas makes a contrast. You have glorious ones do this. They're doing this to the glorious ones. These guys are doing this to the glorious ones. Whereas angels, and he goes on to say, uh, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemy. So he's making a contrast there. Angels versus versus these guys, these false prophets, and so it's that's a bit of the confusion as to who the glorious ones are, whereas versus angels, and with the contrast in the and the glorious ones being right before the word, the last word from the other verse, some will say saints versus uh, angels or uh, evil angels versus. You know, the good angels. It's not something we can be sure of, I don't think. Anybody got any help there? Corey, you got any help? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, All the commentators, and I don't look at a lot of them, but the ones that I looked at uh, this week, uh, nobody came to a conclusion for sure. Anything else? Well, we'd have Moses' bones if that if we didn't have Scripture saying that uh, Lord took him up on the mountain, so they wouldn't do that. Really, almost. I mean, yeah. I, I, why did God let him see and then keep him up there? 
That's maybe he's protecting the people from relics. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Maybe it's just me, but it seems like that should be sense instead of if. I mean, this is the word of God. Of course, I'm protecting Maybe if to me means different than others, but it's not a question of if God could do these things. It's since he could do these things. Therefore, yes. Yeah, and, and I think what we have is the Greek rhetoric kind of the logical, if, 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 then. You know, the if, then kind of, but it is for sure. We know it's all happened. And so it sins. Sins in the interpretive way. And, and the, the ifs, a couple of my ifs here are in italics, which means it's not in the Greek. So it's inserted there for us. Yeah, yeah, it's if God can do this and this and this and this, then he can do this. Uh, yeah. Okay, anything else? We, got, we do have to go now. That's good. Good questions. Good comments. Need to do more of that. Nobody else? Father, we do thank you for your word and Lord, we know that we're liable to wander and to drift. I pray you would help us to pay much closer attention so that we might stay on the path. We thank you for your guiding hand, your uh, powerful spirit who uh, hedges us in at times. And, 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 Father, for the conviction that we have from him as we do uh, imbibe in the things that are uh, delectable, in the things that seem to be good that are not. Help us to be discerning, to discipline ourselves toward godliness as we uh, exercise ourselves in your word and living it out. In Jesus' name, amen.